The following podcast was recorded live at Research at Rugby, so there is some background noise at points of the interview. Hello and welcome to the TES Leadership Podcast. My name is Rebecca Foster and today's guest is Claire Stoneman, who is an English teacher and deputy head. Thanks for joining us, Claire. Hi, Rebecca. Thank you. You're in your uh, second uh, deputy headship. Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey to senior leadership? Yes. Um, I never thought I'd be a senior leader in a school, so I didn't set out at all uh, thinking that. I didn't come into teaching to change the world. Um, I came into... It was quite selfish, really, my route into teaching. Um, I I loved my subject so much, and I'd done... I did my degree and did an MA straight after it and wanted to do a PhD. Couldn't get the funding to do it. And so, okay, what can I do that will enable me to to not leave my subject behind and carry on doing that? And I thought, oh, teaching might be a good idea. Why why don't I do that? So I didn't come with that kind of, yeah, I'm going to change the world, I'm going to, you know, Know, make all these children's futures better. I came mainly with uh, the, the love of my subject. Um, and then, despite that, the love of the richness of my subject, that was in my first few years of teaching, that was sort of washed away a little bit by this sort of tsunami of genericism that was so prevalent in schools. Um, and the, the sort of tinsel and frippery of engagement and thinking, right, I've got to dress my teaching up with, you know, bullseye dartboards and pass the parcel and, you know, hooker ducks and, and all that malarkey, um, that it sort of pulled me away a little bit from the the, the richness and, and integrity of, of the subject that I teach. Um, I think I probably always was a... a curriculum thinker um, because when I look back at some of the things that I did there's nonsense, there's loads of nonsense right? so, so I did something called English Algebra, I'll share that with you later so you can see it's awful, right? it's terrible awful, um, but then I also looked at um, critical theory and, and looked at applying that so I could see it, there was a tension with what I was doing, I loved my subject I looked at what I could do in, in terms of applying critical theory with year eight students but then I also did some of this this kind of crazy stuff um, but I was so immersed in being a classroom teacher I wasn't thinking at all about leadership and actually at the time it was called management uh, anyway so and that wasn't quite as sexy as leadership it was sort of okay so what, what are you as a, as a manager you're on SMT you, you know you, you get management points uh, so I wasn't thinking about that at all I became an advanced skills teacher, which I loved. But again, that was sort of more trips to, embarrassingly, the early learning centre to get stuff to teach in my lessons, literally to dress up my lessons with frog bean bags and stuff. Honestly, it was awful. Um, And I did lots of that as an advanced skills teacher and then trogged my bag of tricks around different schools and it was, bless them, it was always the maths teachers that went, Claire, that won't work in maths. I was like, no, it will, it will. Honestly, believe me, it will work. Um, but, but no, the English teachers really bought into it. They loved all, all the, uh, the pass the parcel stuff. Um, and, and so I still wasn't thinking about being a school leader, really. Uh, and at the same time, I uh, 
I'd always been a singer, so I'd, I'd always done that um, from school, and I'd started having singing lessons, proper singing lessons while I was about 17. But it was about 11 years ago now, 10, 11 years ago, I auditioned for a course with English National Opera. So I've been having singing lessons for, for a long time, and I auditioned, and I got onto the course. So that was, that was like, amazing, really exciting. It was a part-time course, and I went at weekends to train with the NO in London and in school holidays and stuff. So I was doing that, and that was amazing. And in terms of training, it was great. So the stuff I was talking about earlier... Um, uh, research at rugby about how you train novices it was great because I was given lots of concrete examples, we practiced uh, auditions for big opera companies like lo loads of stuff like that performed at Sadler's Wells and it, that was brilliant but there was a, so there was a point about 10 years ago when I thought okay what do I do, do I try and pursue like being a professional singer or do I, or do I stay and teach him and in the end it, it was a relatively, it, it was quite a pragmatic decision I had to make to uh, continue with teaching and still sing, but keep that as, as kind of, you know, semi-professional stuff that I did, mainly because uh, my mum and dad were really ill, so I had to look after them and care for them, and my time, you know, I, I had to spend more time with them, so I, I didn't pursue the singing professionally. Um, planned my efforts into school. Uh, then became I was on like an extended leadership team so I did that for a bit and then became a, a, an assistant head uh, alongside being a head of English which was fab and I think being a head of English, head of department or a head of faculty is probably some of the best training you can get for being a senior leader um, and then I became a deputy head within the school where I'd been an assistant head. Um, and then it's probably only been within the last couple of years that I've, that I've really thought about headship, only really thought about headship in the last year. Um, and I like to ensure if, if there's gaps in knowledge or experience, I like to try and plug those gaps I guess really hence me moving to another deputy headship in a different setting working with different colleagues different um, you know different demographic um, and that's where I am now and it's great uh, I'm a sole deputy within my current school again which is really good experience because I, I you know I deputise for the head um, and when he's out I, I help on the school which is which is fab so yes yeah, so that's my journey which I, I you know that was a, a fairly long-winded uh description of that Rebecca but yeah it's not been a kind of traditional route um now I know that um how we can help novice senior leaders learn is something that's really important to you what would you say is the biggest challenge facing those newly appointed to senior leadership I think as a new senior leader, sometimes head teachers and deputies or, or more experienced senior leaders can make the assumption that that new senior leader might know something when they don't know something. And as an experienced senior leader, you can you, you almost do things automatically because you've done it many times. It's very practice, so you know how to go about doing it. 
Whereas for new senior leaders, there's knowledge that they don't yet know. Um, and they've got the, you know, they're very talented and they're able to do that, but it's just stuff that they don't yet know. So I think there's a, an honesty that's needed in the relationship between the the head uh, or the deputy that line manages the, assist, the new assistant head or the new senior leader uh, and, and how they how they feel about how they lead because when you're a new senior leader you want to feel like you know it and you can do it but it, it is it's hard and there will be things that you don't yet know um, and not to worry that you don't yet know but to have that really open relationship particularly with your head teacher um, but but heads and deputies more experienced senior leaders just need to be aware and not make the assumption that a new senior leader will know everything because they won't and what about senior um, brand new senior leaders if that assumption is being made mm. about things that they know and they don't mm. know, what is your advice to that novice senior leader about how to tackle that situation? I, I think you need to you need to be really honest with with your head and sit down with them and show that you've you've really thought and reflected and say, look, these are things that I think I could do with this. Um, could you talk me through uh, maybe how you've done it in the past, what you think about my ideas and how, um, how might I go about doing this? If it's literally, I don't know what to do. I, I've said that before. I've said that to my head. Look, these are my ideas, but I've never done this before. How do I go about doing it? Um, and that it's okay to do that. But it is really dependent on the culture of the school as well so that and that's something to I think you need to suss out when you're when you're applying for a, a senior leadership role you need to try and work out the culture of the school because if it's not seen as okay to be honest about not knowing stuff um it, it, it's probably not it's probably not the school for you because you, you need to be developed and grown as a senior leader um and to, to speak to your head teacher and other colleagues so they can share their wisdom and also um, for you to contribute to the development of the school. And when um, you were talking earlier about your journey into senior leadership, what were some of the challenges you faced uh, when you were a novice senior leader? Well, when I started as an assistant head... I felt I should know everything. I did feel like that. I thought I should know everything. I should make, be able to make decisions like just very quickly. I should be able to, you know, stride the corridors and, and know everything and act very quickly and know how to speak to the pupils and know how to line manage uh, middle leaders. And one of the things I really struggled with at first that was not having set routines within the school so it, it was it was just think they sound really silly but it was things like when I was on duty in the canteen I didn't know where to stand I didn't know how the children should line up I didn't know what was acceptable and what wasn't acceptable in terms of how the children conducted themselves in the canteen um I didn't know when you're starting an assembly where's the best place to stand where should you look? 
what should you do if a child uh, interrupts when you're delivering an assembly? It, it was literally that kind of, to, to that kind of granular detail, what do, what do I do? And it would have been really helpful for me to, for, for a line manager to talk through some of those things and then for me to practice, to watch, see it modelled really well and watch again and then to have those conversations with, with my line manager so they could tease out that I understood what was happening and why it was happening like that and then for me to practice so I sort of had to learn on the job really and it was you know those kind of yeah, Tom Bennett talks about the sort of folklore of teaching and those conversations that happen in the staff room. Oh, don't worry, Claire, you'll work it out. Don't worry, Rebecca, you'll learn how to do it in the end. And, and it felt like that with, with leadership, really. I, I didn't know, uh, and I did have to work it out. And I feel that leaders shouldn't, shouldn't have to do that. You know, that there should be, uh, there could be far more support, I think, for new senior leaders to enable them to go into the job feeling far more confident having those routines in place. Thank you. Um, now, uh, I saw you present earlier today, Research, research Ed Rugby, and um, about this idea about supporting new senior leaders, and you referred to the, this quotation from Daisy Christodoulou, our attention determines our memories. Um, can you tell us a bit about how this is relevant to how schools can support new senior leaders? Yes, it's... Um, we, we know it's almost impossible to, to pay attention to more than one thing at a time. And as a senior leader, you, you do have to do that. It's really difficult, you know. There, and as a middle leader too, there are many things that come at you, you know, and that, that you have to try and work your way through. And it may be that you walk from one end of the school to the other and you've got two members of staff speak to you. You've realised that there's a cover lesson where the cover teacher hasn't turned up. There's someone else asking you for glue sticks. You know, there's lots of things that come at you. Um, and it is really hard. It is genuinely really hard. And I think for new senior leaders in particular, um, we need to be able to pare things down so it's not so overwhelming and bewildering at first. Um, in your presentation, you also mentioned a few terms from Weinstein and Sumeraki's recently published book, Understanding How We Learn, and you explored how these could be used as a way to help novice senior leaders. Let's start with um, elaborative interrogation. How can we use elaborative interrogation to help novice senior leaders? Um, so elaborative interrogation is when you ask yourself how and why things work. So it's it's not just how does it work, but considering, okay, so why do we do it like that? And we may well use that in lessons. We probably do use that in lessons quite a lot uh, to, to, working, to work with novices. But with novice senior leaders, I think that's um, very useful to enable them to question and reflect. So they know why that's in place. Well, they know what's in place, but to consider why that is in place too. So again, it may be things like... Um, how does a managed move meeting work? Why do, why do we do it like that? Um, how does uh, assembly entry work again? Why do we do it in that specific way? But the questions, it, it really needs to be led by an, an, an expert senior leader, I think, at first. Um, it must enable them to describe and explain the ideas. So the question comes from the, the expert senior leader to the novice senior leader or novice senior leaders. I think it would work well in a group. Um, and it enables them to make connections between, you know, what, what they're currently thinking about and long-term memory as well. Um, 
But there, there is a massive caveat because um, Weinstein and Sumeraki talk about that it only works well when knowledge is high. So it is better when it is the elaborative interrogation is guided by an experienced senior leader. Otherwise, the novice senior leaders may go down a rabbit hole and then start discussing or coming to conclusions about things um, that maybe aren't, maybe don't work as well. So they do need to be guided particularly at first. Okay, thank you. And um, you also talked about concrete examples. How can concrete examples be used to help novice senior leaders? So... Uh, I mean, this is a, I recognise this is a preference of mine as well, but I still think it's very useful. Um, I, I really like concrete things. I like concrete stuff. I like to know what something is and what it looks like. I don't like things that are nebulous. Um, and we know that abstract ideas can be vague and hard to, hard to grasp. Um, and so we need to take care when talking to novice senior leaders, particularly if the language that we're using is, is very specific to the school or map that we work in. And maybe they've, they've come from a different school, they've come from a different map, and they're not used to it. So if we talk about, often you hear phrases like, you know, the aspiration we have for our pupils, or the sense of family in our mat, or the love that we have within our mat. And not just novice senior leaders, actually. Any senior leader new to a school or any teacher new to a school, that, that's quite hard to understand or we'd have different interpretations of that. So what does that actually look like? Show me what that actually looks like. And novices, in particular, need explicit examples. I, I like explicit examples. I like, to, I like to know what does that look like here within the context of this school? Right, okay, now I'm clear. And then I'd like to practice so so that I, I know that I've got that in place. Um, novices often only remember surface features. Um, so you do have to, uh, and sometimes they overlook underlying structures of things. So you, as an expert senior leader, you'd have to talk, talk that through with them and provide multiple examples so they can see how you, may, how you might apply that. Uh, dependent on their role as well really so if you're a pastoral lead it might be things to do with bullying social media parental complaints uh, like I said earlier manage move meetings how they work if you are a new curriculum lead and there's lots of talk about curriculum but what might that look like so for example um, Clive Wright the head of St Martin's Catholic Academy in Stoke Golding Nuneaton He's coming to talk to uh, my colleagues next week. We've done a lot of work on curriculum and a lot of thinking about the different uh, types of knowledge and how you sequence a coherent curriculum. Then he's coming in to talk to us about, okay, that's great. What's it look like in practice? So you've done all that thinking. This is what we've done at St Martin's. These are things that we put in place this is what it looks like now. So it's providing that that concrete example. So colleagues and not just novice senior leaders, but you know colleagues in general can see this is what it looks like. And once you know, then you can you can practice and implement. It's interesting that you're talking about um, giving those concrete examples, particularly when you've got a, a new senior leader starting at a new school. When do you see that happening? Where's the space for that? Or when, or when do you think that should be happening? Well, 
I think, really, line management meetings, and this is this is a really interesting point as well, because people have different interpretations of what a line management meeting should look like. Sometimes they turn into a tick list of things that need to be done. Um, I'd, they ought to be, um, on many occasions, developmental. Um, again, with novice senior leaders, there may well with them. There may be things that need to be talked about that that need to be implemented. But the concrete example discussion or the elaborative interrogation may well take place in that line management meeting. But you have to block time out. You have to kind of take time off the hamster wheel a little bit sometimes and say, right, we're going to have a conversation about this. Uh, This is potentially a bit of pre-reading or stuff I'd like to to think about beforehand. Again, because you want to keep things low stakes. You don't want to necessarily, particularly with a novice senior leader, um, put them on the spot or worry them or, or um, make them feel anxious. So giving them some pre-reading and some things to consider beforehand is really useful. Uh, I found that useful as a novice senior leader. So uh, kind of more, more um, careful use of line management meetings. Yes, is, yeah. Is where you see the space for that. Uh, and agreeing that within the, within the culture of your school as well, that, you know, the, the head would... The head and, and potentially the deputy or the deputies would, would decide potentially how those line management meetings would run. Clearly, they're going to be different between you know a novice senior leader and, and a more expert senior leader. But there there has to be space for developmental discussions and CPD happening within those line management meetings. Okay, I'm going to um, talk about the last wine scene as Iraqi. Um kind of term you, you mentioned in your presentation earlier today, uh, which is um, knowledge revisited over time. How can we use that idea to help novice senior leaders? Well, we know spaced practice is important. We talk about that a lot with our, with our children. And if, we, if our goal is for learning to be durable, then we know this has to happen for, for anyone. So whether it's kids in the classroom or, or colleagues that we work with. So we need to create opportunities for it to happen. So similar to what I was saying earlier about blocking time out, we, we have to ensure that there's, there's time out to do that, to practice with an experienced senior leader, to unpick for the experienced senior leader to feed back. Um, and, you know, potentially for the to block in time for the novice senior leader to observe meetings that happen for them to um, go and watch the head in a meeting where they can with, I don't know, a, another one of the directors of the trust, for example. But for them to, to, to watch, to learn, to talk, to feed back. Um, but it has to be blocked out. You've got to make the time to do it, otherwise it won't happen. And um, some of our listeners will be recently appointed to SLT. What would your key bit of advice be to them in their first term of senior leadership? That's that's such a hard question because there there are it's really hard to whittle it down to one. I'm not sure if I'm I'm not sure if I've just got one, but I'll try. I'll let you off. Thanks, thanks, Rebecca. Um, I would say do definitely sweat the small stuff. Do practice. So uh, have have an eye for detail, um, but but don't don't try and spread 
everything. So keep it pared down, but practice some stuff really well and do it really, really well. Um, don't be afraid to ask questions. Uh, do try and build some time into your first term to reflect and take stock. And that's you know what I was saying earlier, really, about blocking that time out and talking to your head about saying, right, on this afternoon... I'm going to do some reflection. I'm going to do some strategic planning. It would be great if you could join me for part of it so we could talk about um, whatever project or whatever it is you've been leading on that that term. It's, I hope I've got his name right, Robert Heifetz, who talks about the need to find time and space to reflect and how important that is. And um, he uses the metaphor of observing a dance floor. So you're on a balcony and you're watching the dance floor below and, and you need to get some perspective and, and sort of time away from the fray. And so looking looking from above and looking down on it temporarily. So you're, you're temporarily coming away from the immediacy of the school day and everything that, that goes on within the school day. Um, otherwise, we, we can get consumed by the day-to-day stuff that can just, you know, it, it seems very important. And often a lot of it is important, but you, you have to make time uh, and give yourself time to, to plan ahead and practice. So I know I've given you more than one thing there, Rebecca. It's really several, hard. yeah. <laughs> so That's okay. The first, um, the first bit of advice you gave there was about practicing, and it's something you mentioned yes. earlier on as well. How do I go about as an office senior leader practicing those things? Where am I? Where am I doing that? Or is, am I at home in the bathroom practicing conversations? Or I don't. That's okay. So that would be. It depends on what it is. So if it were, um, if it was some of the routines in school, you are you are going to practice doing the, those routines. So whether it's I don't know helping uh, ahead of year get the children lined up well and their entry into the canteen or their entry into the assembly hall, watching, watching a more experienced senior leader do it and then practice with them. So do it as a pair and then do it on your own, get feedback on how you've done that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other things. I mean, there are. Other, I, I know you don't like doing wild plays, Rebecca. I know you don't like this, but I do. I genuinely do think that helps. I do. Uh, and I've done that. I've done that. I'm, I'm, I don't like them either, really. But it is useful. It is useful. Uh, so if you've... Some things you can't predict. So it might be that you have to have quite a challenging conversation or you have to have, you know, a, yeah, a relatively tricky conversation. And maybe you've not done... You've not had that before with a member of staff. You've not done that before. And in order for you to feel confident doing that... Uh, I would practice first and I would practice in a role play scenario and I would have and certainly what I did as a novice senior leader I had I planned very carefully I had phrases written down that I'd gone through with my head beforehand so I have my phrases in front of me and it can feel really clunky and weird at first uh, I, I'd have the phrases sort of with me and I had practiced using them I, de- I, I practiced yeah I practiced at home I practiced in my office um but uh, unless you have a go at doing it, 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 it does feel really strange. But you do have to. You definitely have to. Um, and finally, what would you say to those more experienced school leaders who are listening about how they can support their newly appointed colleagues in their first few weeks in post? Um, 
I think experienced senior leaders working with novice senior leaders, they have to um, help help them see that they don't have all the answers and that that's okay, that they don't have all the answers. They're learning new stuff. They're learning new knowledge and that's fine. Uh, and, and, and that's a really good thing, actually. Uh, and what I find really useful is that when I'm talking to senior leaders that are far more experienced than I am and head teachers and, and um, you know, other leaders within, within maths is that what surprises me sometimes with people that maybe you think are really confident and, are, you know, they've got that. I mean, we spoke about it earlier with Search Ed Rugby, that, that sort of charisma and that dynamism, whatever that might be, but that pe- people do doubt themselves and that, that it's, it, that's fine. You know, and, and I, found, I found that really useful because people that are, maybe I've made the assumption that they're so confident and they've got all the answers and they know and, they, and they're, they're absolutely clear on what, the, what their direction is, um, that not everybody feels really confident, not everyone knows everything. It, it reassures me now as a deputy head, uh, thinking about moving into headship when I, when I talk to other head, head teachers that, um, you know, are still thinking things through themselves. They're still, you know, maybe doubt themselves or, or consider other, other ways in which they could do things because it sounds a bit trite, but we are, we are all learning. You know, we, the, none of us are complacent and there are things that all of us can, can develop and, and work on. So you think that's a conversation that should be happening really early doors in those first few weeks, talking to your new senior leaders about those things? Yes, definitely. Um, Again, that's that's very dependent on the culture within the school. So if there's if there is a, a culture of honesty and of um, development uh, within the senior leadership team and the wider teaching um, community within school, then those those conversations can happen. If if it, there isn't a culture of that. That, that those conversations aren't going to happen because that the the assumption will be made that you're a senior leader you, you're fine just crack on with it um and a, a lot of people do you know they did they did crack on with it and they're grand but they'll they'll be learning um they'll be learning things by trial and error rather than necessarily carefully planned um a carefully planned seats sort of senior leadership curriculum and senior leadership pedagogy ways of learning um but I think we're moving towards that I'm really encouraged by the work ambition are doing now with the sort of senior leadership curriculum that they're developing I think that's really exciting I've I talked earlier about I've never done MPQH I've some of the things on there I didn't think were useful um I'm hoping now that some of the things coming through from Ambition will be exceptionally useful. And certainly things that I'm hearing online, reading online and talking to people like Tom Reese uh, are really, really encouraging. So I'm hopeful for, for the new senior leaders coming through. I think they'll be really supported. It is a brilliant, brilliant job. You can affect the lives of thousands of children and your colleagues as well. Um, and it's a wonderful, wonderful job. Um, so yeah, so it's exciting. I'm very excited for them. 
I just want to say thank you so much, Claire. Um, I really enjoyed your session this morning and um, I really appreciated having you on today. Thank you. Thanks ever so much, Rebecca.